fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try What is going on, Wolfpack? It is the Wolf of Roto Street, of course, of rotostreetjournal.com, where we breed and feed fantasy wolves. And I am live with your Monday market check. We're going to break down all your risers, fallers, injuries, and of course, an early look at the waiver wire, who you should be tracking with your fab and pickups this week. Uh, of course, you can find all our stuff at rotostreetjournal.com. This is also a fantasy fullback dive episode. If you're not tuning in live on Facebook, listen on the podcast. You can always catch us live on Facebook at 7 p.m. every Monday Eastern time if you'd like to interact and get questions in. But we're going to get right into the action. we got a huge Monday night football matchup. I know I'm depending on clenching my cheeks all day, and I got Baker Mayfield, uh, OBJ, and David Njoku. They need to get 50 in order for me to lose, so I'm desperately hoping the Browns suck tonight or at least it's just a Nick Chubb atmosphere, CJ Mosley out. It really well could be, so we'll find out the Wolf's fate later. But let's get into everything you needed to learn after a crazy week two because there have been tons of risers, fallers, and penny stocks. Right there at the top of the list is a guy I have to eat some crow on, eat some humble pie on, because this week he was my recommended bench of the week. I told people to play guys like Chris Thompson over him. I personally played Malcolm Brown over this guy. That would be none other than Aaron Jones. And my God, did he have an explosion. Now, great. I I had him on the bench. I'm so happy for what this means for his long-term outlook. But I really hope this one doesn't cost me this week. We're going to find out later. What exactly did Aaron Jones do on my bench? Well, let's talk about it. 23 rush attempts for 116 yards and a score. Why not just add four more receptions and another 34 yards through the air? So 150 total yards, a touchdown, and a complete workhorse effort, which is the most important part because he's never really truly been freed while with Mike McCarthy, and now he gets the volume that he deserves, and he shows exactly why. Now, there's great stats about how, you know, when he gets over 18 touches, he always explodes. He was the RB5 last year when he got 18 touches or more, and this just showed why, again, that he needed to be freed. I love that they finally looked competent on offense under Matt LaFleur after a horrible show against the Bears. This was a tough Vikings defense, too. They let up only like 20 yards to Devonta Freeman and the Falcons last year on the, I mean, last week on the ground, and they come in, storm in, and just bowl them over on the ground. The line looked in sync. The zone-blocking lanes were gaping, and Aaron Jones paved right through them and looked unbelievable. So at this point, you gotta lock him in every week. If you have him as an RB2, incredible I personally have him a flex from now on, and I can't wait to use him every week. But Aaron Jones, one of the biggest risers of week one. Hopefully you didn't listen to my advice and bench him. I certainly did, and it sucks. Number two on the list, Mr. Chris Godwin. What a week, what a season this guy's already started with. He was the Twitter darling, and he's proving now why. With eight catches on nine targets, the apple of Jameis Winston's eye outplaying Mike Evans. And what does he do on those eight catches? 120 yards and a TD on national TV Thursday night football. Absolutely shredding them. He's getting moved all over the formation. He goes, kicks in on three wide receiver slets into the slot. Uh, he ends up, you know, getting on the outside in two wide receiver sets. It's just unbelievable the usage spike that this guy has had. And I know Mike Evans was saying, you know, before the season, this guy could be the true number one receiver. Who says I'm the number one the way Chris Godwin's playing? And he's showing exactly why. I uh, absolutely love what he's been doing so far this season. And you got to keep imagining he's going to roll. Like, I don't see why he would regress. That defense still sucks, even though they played decent against Cam Newton. We're going to talk about that horrendous performance in a little bit, uh, but still, this guy's setting career highs. Third-year breakout candidate is clearly panning out for everyone that did that. 
I love it. Uh, so again, Chris Godwin is your target hog that everyone expected him to be. And just Jameis Winston is zooming in on this guy, especially in the red zone. Two scores in two weeks. And he already had 10 coming in the last year. Was towards the league leading red zone targets last year. But now as an every down player, he's balancing out the scores with the volume in the passing game. And you got to be thrilled if you own this guy. Treat him as a wide receiver one moving forward, even with shitty-ass Jameis Winston throwing him the rock. Next, and somebody I was pumped to see. I thought this breakout might take a little bit longer after a horrendous week one. That's David Montgomery. Vastly improved in his usage and now a fantasy outlook. But before we get there, we got Diego tuned in. My guy, what's going on, Diego? Dan Heggs, what's going on? I'll be sure to get to your guys' questions. You guys have been fantastic about sharing this out. I know a lot of you guys follow different fantasy football groups, so if you don't mind giving us the share as you always do, it helped us. We got like over two, almost 200 comments on our broadcast last time because you guys have been just a blast to, to share this out. So appreciate any comments, likes, shares. It, it means the world to us. So we appreciate it and hopefully we can help you out in the process. But David Montgomery, let's get to that and then I'll get to your question, Heggs. Uh, but Diego, great to see you. Happy you tuned in this week. So Montgomery, vastly improved in his usage and fantasy outlook. Racks up 62 yards not that great given that he had 18 carries, uh, but he also had some catches there. One catch for six yards. Uh, the, the big part here is the usage of 19 touches. Last week before week one, getting out snapped, getting out touched by Mike Davis. Mike goddamn Davis, but thankfully Matt Nagy finally woke up, gives him the rock, gets him a touchdown, gets a nice 18 or so fantasy points for your owners, didn't blow the world away and certainly wasn't the most efficient, but what you gotta love is that the actual work was there. Tariq Cohen was in his usual receiving game role, but even that seemed a little bit reduced, Uh, so I just loved everything about Montgomery's usage. I think he's safe to now roll back into your lineups. With Mike Davis legitimately getting one yard on three carries, looked as god-awful as ever. Uh, so you got to feel good about that. He only, uh, you know, after leading the backfield last week with those nine touches, he barely sees the field, paves the way for Montgomery. And this was a tougher matchup, did again do exactly as much as we'd hoped for on his usage. But you have to feel great about the fact that he's finally seeing the rock as much as he deserves. Trubisky still looked like shit. I don't know that I feel great about this offense taking a big leap forward or anything of that nature. Uh, but still, there's going to be decent touchdown upside and decent every down. You Remember, Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing yards under Matt Nagy, and these two were compared religiously by draft Knicks because of their contact balance and all that good stuff. you got to feel better again about David Montgomery. Moving forward, he rises a solid amount in my running back rankings. But one guy that, you know, thought it might take a little bit while to get going, that's Emmanuel Sanders. And uh, coming off an Achilles... At age 31, and he's the number three wide receiver in fantasy points right now, and he's had some tough matchups to go with it, especially this week against the the Bears, and he looks like he's just vintage, hasn't lost a single step. He gets 11 catches, yes, 11 catches, 98 yards and a score on 13 looks, clearly the number one target hog there, and it's not even a question for Emmanuel Sanders. That's huge to see. I I knew he was going to be their number one receiver. We've talked about how he's a great draft day value. But even I, even though we were higher on a site by about 40 or so ECR spots, we still could never have foreseen this big of an outburst this early on. I love that Joe Flacco is locking in on him in the red zone on any important, you know, when they had to go for two, when they had to get the score. It was Joe Flacco looking his way. Uh, And I absolutely love Manny Sanders now moving forward. I think you got to treat him as an every week wide receiver too. If he's doing this against the Bears, maybe even a low-end wide receiver one. He was a top 10 wide receiver before going down last year, and it seems like he's not going to lose a beat, lose a step uh, in this offense. He's the focal point. Again, 11 catches, 98 yards, and the TD. You got to feel great about Manny Sanders moving forward, and you really can't have him out of your lineup anymore. Again, doing this against the best defense in the league. So Heggs asked him, Hey, Dad. What's up? What's up, son? I personally want the New York Jets and Trevor Simeon to upset the Browns tonight and cause absolute chaos in Cleveland. The bald wiener CJ disagrees. Thoughts? Uh, bald wiener. I would love to see this. It, it would be incredible to watch the uh, the Trevor Simeon-led Jets, but I'm sorry, Eggs. It's not going to happen. This is Trevor Simeon we're talking about. A complete bag of garbage playing quarterback. You, he's not going to do anything. you got to downgrade your, your Jamison Crowders, your Robbie Anderson 
Harrison's moving into tonight. I can never see that happening. I would love to see it. I would love to see the Browns get their ass kicked, uh, especially because I'm facing three of them tonight. But I just don't see it. I think Nick Chubb's going to run wild. They don't have C.J. Mosley tonight. Uh, so if you own Chubb, get your get buckled in. You're going to have a fun night tonight. Uh, you think Barber will continue to play well, says Jake Knight. And he's a great name to be, bring up. 82 yards, a score. Heavy volume, heavy workload. I think his touchdown upside is decent, but Barber just sucks. He continually is one of the worst, least efficient backs in the league. Looked powerful, had some nice runs on Thursday night football. And I think you, you got a solid stab at a weekly touchdown, about a 50-50 shot in the right matchups. But ultimately, how could you feel excited about starting this guy? Now, Ronald Jones looked like complete crap, so maybe you're going to continue to get that high-volume role. But I ultimately would not be putting weekly faith into Peyton Barber, even though he's Nat Jones's love. I would marry the guy if he possibly could. Ultimately, he's not my style of play. Just no upside, and you know I'm chasing ceilings. Another guy or two here that I really wanted to highlight, that's your air air raid wide receivers. Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. They're just hoarding targets right now in this air raid offense, and I think they're going to be locked in wide receiver three, wide receiver twos even for the rest of the year given how well they're playing and how much volume they're seeing. That's the key here. The air raid is absolutely as dynamic as we were expecting. Maybe not as fast-paced as I really hoped for, but you're still getting 50-plus attempts every single week from Kyler Murray, and you got to love that for your wide receivers. Fitz and Kirk consistently hitting those double digits. This week, only eight for Kirk, but he still got it done. Much more efficient. I loved what I saw from six catches, 114 yards on those eight scores. Showed greatly improved chemistry with Christian Kirk. We've seen those two seemingly on the opposite page quite a bit this season, and that flipped this week, and I was very pumped to see that heightened chemistry between those two. A nice, beautiful 30-yard bomb right over the shoulder. Hits him in the bread basket. Beautiful stuff and plenty of yak coming for him as well. But Larry Fitz really seems to be that when they need that big catch, they're going to go to the veteran. He still has the moves. He's still shaking defenders. He's still got it after the catch. Larry Fitz has been one of the best values of your draft so far. So if you took Larry Fitz, if you went all in on the air raid, I think it's going to be great for you. And never mind that all this came against Baltimore, one of the tougher secondaries in the league, gave up the second fewest points to wide receivers last year and improved on defense with Earl Thomas and whatnot coming into that secondary you got to feel very enthused and very encouraged that Kyler Murray was able to put that many points uh, or that many yards up against this team and that these guys are seeing such steady streams of volume. The only thing we need to see improve is touchdowns. They got to start pounding it in when they get in close. They've given up too many, you know, 20 yard field goals because they can't put it in from the three yard line. Let's see that improve. Let's get it together Uh, in softer matchups, especially though, these guys have limitless ceilings. So I'm pumped about these air raid developments and I'm pumped at how good they have been looking. And last but not least on our risers, and I want to just make sure to pump, these are not the only risers of the week. I pick up my favorite six for this podcast, for this live broadcast, uh, but we got to have 15 plus risers, another 10 or so fallers, and plenty of other injuries and sleepers to cover. So if you want to make sure you get everything, check out rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch, or better yet, download our new app. Just search Roto Street Journal in your app stores, not yet on Google Play. We'll get there. Don't worry, folks. But if you have an iPhone, you got to check out the app. It's clean. It looks beautiful. Derek Miller did a fantastic job developing that for us. And this is just variation one. So many more features coming. So check that out if you haven't had a chance to yet. It's beautiful and we're real proud of what we've been creating over here. But last but not least, let's get to Calvin Ridley. He continues to soar. He continues that scorching sophomore start and is looking like that mid-round receiver. You know, there's the Mike Williams, the Robbie Andersons, they're kind of tier of which of these guys is going to break out and be that number one. It looks like it's Calvin Ridley. Now, I know he's not the true number one on his team. Julio Jones is still that guy and still going to feast at 120 and, what, two touchdowns or whatever the hell it was last night. I went to bed. He had six points. I woke up. He had 25 against me, not for me. Shit. Didn't like that wake up at all. Very alarming coming into my day. Not a fun Monday when that's the first thing you see. Nonetheless, Calvin Ridley, if you own him, you have to feel great about what he's done so far. Two touchdowns in two weeks. This time, another 10 targets. Calls in eight of them for 105 yards and a TD versus the Eagles. Yes, it's a horrible secondary, but still, I love the red zone chemistry he's displaying with Matt Ryan. I love the deep shots we're seeing. Yes, it's resulted in some picks, but Dirk Cutter really is bringing a lot of those air raid principles over from the Bucks, And remember, they led the league in passing yardage 
with goddamn Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the rock. So as long as this chemistry continues to build, as long as Matt comfortable Matt Ryan gets that comfort level rolling, I think this passing offense is going to be deadly, and Calvin Ridley is going to be a humongous part of that, drawing number two corners. He's going to roast them routinely. I think this is a situation. Think, Dirk Cutter, last time he was there was when they had uh, Roddy White and Julio Jones. Both guys were going for 1,200 and 8 to 10 touchdowns. I really think Calvin Ridley has that type of Roddy White style number two season next to Julio Jones, and both guys crush it. You have to feel fantastic about his prospects so far and what he's doing. Diego asking, we're going to move to followers in a second, but let's get to your questions before that, and then you know keep, keep them coming. Love having the open mailbag here. Any updates on David Johnson? Well, the first update is he did go back into the game. He said he's good to go. He feels fine afterwards. So I think at this point, it's about time to, to have faith in him. It doesn't seem like it's going to be anything that lingers into the season. He did look kind of like shit. I mean, he only got 14 yards and seemed a little bit lighter used. But ultimately, it does not seem like something that you're, you're ruined at his season or anything of that nature. I would double check, is Chase Edmonds out there if you're a DJ owner? Just to be safe, it's a reminder of, holy shit, my season could go down to tubes any second if I don't have my insurance policy and Edmonds would be an every down guy in his absence so check for your insurance policy make sure you have him but ultimately Diego it seems like David Johnson's gonna be a-okay he's gonna be fine with that risk and that's scary that the risk because remember he had that injury just a couple seasons ago knocked him out for the year I thought we were done with David Johnson for the season and I'm thanking the Lord that we're not but still ultimately something that you gotta remind yourself Let's get my handcuff. Let's be safe as long as he's out there. And CJ would marry Rojo Nat. I totally agree with that. But don't try to cover your tracks. You absolutely love Peyton Barber. Thoughts on Kamara this week, says Diego. Uh, you still got to love the guy. I mean, obviously, without Drew Brees, and we're going to cover that in a little bit, so I'll save most of the analysis. That offense is going to take a step back. It's just natural. But still, it's Kamara. They're going to get their rhythm. They're going to get their chemistry. He's going to be fine. Ultimately, would I still take him as my number one overall guy if I was redrafting? today? No, that would be most likely Barkley or Christian McCaffrey, despite his dud this week. Uh, Ultimately, I think Daniel Jones is going to be coming in sooner than later for the Giants, and I think he rises and elevates that entire offense. He looks so good, Danny Dimes, this preseason. I think that offense could take a huge step forward with him, and that would be awesome for Saquon Barkley, who's looked as good (coughs) as ever. Great sneeze. Felt fantastic. Does Baltimore running back Lamar Jackson come back down to earth when he plays a real defense that's not Miami or Arizona? Do you really consider the Chiefs a real defense? Roto Street Journal, is that CJ, whoever that is, commenting in? Oh, Dan Heggs comments it twice. Twice, so no, I, I don't. I, I don't think Lamar Jackson's coming back down to earth. He seems like a real cheat code. I get it. The matchups have been as perfect as can be for this guy to start the year, but I don't think Kansas City's any better. And I just think he looks like. I mean, the ball is going to exactly where you'd want it, throwing it right into bread baskets of receivers. It's a gorgeous thing. Uh, so I'm a huge fan. And just a reminder, we have so many more stock watches coming out on the site. We got guy things on the Panthers wide receivers, Terry McLaurin, uh, you know, old man old. Tyler Lockett, Dalvin Cook, holy hell, that guy is a monster. We're taking a five, maybe four overall at this point. And the Broncos backfield plus Pat Mahomes still being God. So check out all those other risers on the site, rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch or on the app. Just search Roto Street Journal in your app store. Let's get to our fallers. And it starts at the top with a complete bag of absolute shit. And his name's Cam Newton. He sucks. What else is there to say in real life, in fantasy, everywhere? I don't know if it's injury. You know, he got hit in that third preseason game, probably playing a a pretty decent role in this, but he's not running the ball, which is probably 80% of why you drafted him, and he can't throw the ball deep with any type of accuracy, which is probably the other 20% of why you drafted him. Watching the ball just continually sail over Curtis Samuel wide open down the field's head, watching him just throw it completely out of bounds where it looked like he was... People running wide open. His receivers are just all over the field, and he cannot put it where they need him to get it. Uh, it's awful. He's just god awful. He hasn't scored a single touchdown yet this season. Uh, it's he's he's number one. I'm trying to read the stats here. It's just absolutely pathetic. Uh, he's never been top 15 in pro football focused passing grades. So if you're relying strictly on passing here, the guy's only been that one out of his eight seasons in the top 15 of grades. And then you're talking about the fact that he's even worse this year because of the shoulder. Now he has no passing yards. 
Give that fucking loser a hate cut. Send him to your waiver wire. He's a cancer just like Jameis Winston was for your locker room. Your team cannot look at you in the face and be confident in their manager if Cam Newton is the one leading the charge. Let him be somebody else's baggage. Let him be somebody else's problem. I want nothing to do with this guy. He can't run. He can't throw. He is a piece of shit. He should not be on your roster anymore. Please comment in and let me know if you feel differently, if you think there's any reason to expect him to bounce back. I certainly don't believe it. Next on the list, another guy I'd love to spit in his face. I don't actually own Cam Newton, but this other guy has become the nightmare of my existence, and that is Joe Mixon, being completely tanked by his awful line and offense and just looking like crap himself. I took this guy. If you want the stuff of fantasy nightmares, folks, took him over Dalvin Cook, and I'm sure I'm not the only one out there who did such things. It makes me want to throw up nightly. I am just contemplating whether life is worth living when I did such a dumb, dumb thing as taking Joe Mixon over Dalvin Cook. Granted, this draft was long, long ago, early in the offseason, but it's awful, and it's haunting everything I do. Every breath I take, I see Joe Mixon, I see Dalvin Cook, and when Dalvin Cook continues to look like he's going to win people leagues, it makes me throw up every single time. A 11 carries, 17 yards, and hauls in three passes for a nice robust 10 yards. Gets stuffed three times on his goal line attempts. Looks pathetic. The line is god-awful. Cannot open a lane to save their lives. The offense as a whole, pretty shitty too. Uh, We get A.J. Green coming back at some point, but ultimately, who knows how good they're going to be. I think he's going to be okay. I mean, if I if his owner's panicking and willing to sell him for a bag of peanuts, then maybe test the waters because I still think Joe is, for whatever reason, going to be okay. But at the same breath, if somebody was like valuing him close to Joe Mixon coming into the year, I'd also sell him as fast as I could too because I don't have a ton of faith in this line once they lost Jonah Williams and like everybody else retired afterwards. Not a fan at all of what Joe Mixon's outlook is for this season. Ugh, it's haunting my nightmares, folks. Another two fallers. On the Patriots this week, Julian Edelman and Josh Gordon, their target share diminishes with Antonio Brown added. Now, before I get into the actual stats, I get the team was making a very concerted effort to get the ball to Antonio Brown. They want their new receiver to feel comfortable. They want to get him acclimated. And it was a scrimmage. Like, clearly they, the Dolphins are a unbelievable pushover this year. They just don't even belong in an NFL field. Let's get that old debate going. Could Alabama beat them? Probably. They're awful. They are that bad. Uh, but ultimately, the Patriots used that to their advantage because they're the best and smartest team in the NFL and said, let's get our new guy some time to build chemistry with Tom. They've never had these practices together in a game situation. When else are we going to have such a pathetic team in front of us? And they worked it, they worked it, they worked it. And Antonio Brown was obviously the beneficiary in fantasy this week. Is that going to happen every single week? No, of course not. But it was very important for them to get that chemistry going, that you know, establish that rapport. And it was obvious this week. So I think there's better days ahead for both Julian Edelman and Gordon, but it is also a scary reminder that the Patriots have always just played the matchups and people disappear at will, and you just never know what's going to happen each week when it's going to be this congested. Edelman himself goes four catches, 51 yards on his four targets. Meh. You know, obviously disappearing. Gordon seemed to be hit even harder. Two catches on his five targets, so more looks than Edelman, but still disappearing for only 19 yards. So you can't be quite as confident in your Patriots receivers. I don't think it's going to, again, be that well, that much forced to Antonio Brown. And when they're in tougher games, they're going to have more passing yardage and more passing volume. But ultimately, you got to be just a little scared of what you saw there if you own Jules and Josh and even Antonio Brown because it is going to become a, a weekly just who is it, who is it type of guessing game. Next, and oh, good God, certainly not least, is OJ Howard. Just where is he? Is, does he exist? Was he on the field? I'm not sure. He wasn't even targeted. What is happening here? Now, this this is the nightmare. Because a lot of people, myself included, were like, yo, Bruce Arians, I get it. He has a horrible history of not targeting his tight ends, but he's never had a talent like OJ Howard, six foot five, runs a four, five, forty, faster than Mike Evans. I'm literally reciting myself from the preseason. And pretty much everyone, not a single expert I talked to on all those Wolf podcasts I did, had anyone higher than OJ Howard. Outside Pete Davis and WEI, I'll give him credit. He had Evan Ingram above OJ Howard. 
But ultimately, everyone thought this athletic freak who's averaged 16.6 yards per catch, who is that mismatched physical specimen I was just sarcastically talking about, was going to be used to perfection under Arians, whose specialties are, one, the long ball, and two, mismatches. It seems like he has the ultimate weapon in O.J. Howard, and he's decided to just completely ignore that, uh, bringing some credence to the people that were worried about that lack of historic tight end usage under Arians. Now, granted, I still think this is one that corrects itself, but Winston hasn't looked great. The offense has not been that classic no-risk-it-no-biscuit style. It's a much more higher percentage than we'd usually expect under Bruce Arians. It seemed like Winston was playing quite tentative after his horrendous week one debut. I think, again, this offense will click. They'll start to get it together a little bit more as the season rolls, and Howard will be a beneficiary of that. But ultimately, owners should be concerned about this disappearing act. I I don't cut him. I know some people are going to want to hate cut him. I hate cut Cam. Don't hate cut Howard yet. It's such a thin position, and he's such a freak athlete. And if you find him on the waiver wires, I'd scoop him up instantly. Uh, But ultimately, I'm not feeling great about what we're seeing from O.J. Howard. How could you after he literally wasn't targeted? Mm, Not good. Devonta Freeman making this list, this illustrious list of god-awful fallers, two weeks in a row. What else do you need to know about this guy? Second straight, complete trash bag effort from Devonta Freeman. Ruins fantasy weeks, I'm sure, for many. Yes, the Philly D-line is great, and we told you to sit Devonta Freeman almost every sit start we got about this guy. Put him to your bench, and he showed why. 11 carries, 22 yards, nothing else. And the worst part about it, just like last week, almost a near-even split between him and Ido Smith. And in terms of snap share, and even on seven less carries, Ido Smith outgained him by 10 yards. So what if that split continues to just start tilting and tilting and tilting even more towards Ido? That's terrifying if you're a Devonta Freeman owner. He has looked awful. His line certainly hasn't been doing him any favors despite those two first-round additions, but he himself has not shown the vision we once saw, not showing the ability to break tackles like we once saw when he was one of the hardest-nosed runners and just made things happen on his own own. None of that's been happening this year. So if you own Devonta Freeman, I think it's time to hit the panic button. He'd be a guy, if I could find any type of value for, I would be selling him as fast as I can. Dirk Cutter's never had a strong running game over these last seven or eight years, even back in his old Falcons days. You have to go all the way back to Jacksonville to find a Dirk Cutter running back that was actually usable, and that was Maurice Jones-Drew, and that might have been more so to do with the head coach than it was to do with him. So Devonta Freeman, Awful. Just an awful, pathetic, trash bag performance. And I don't see this one getting any better, unlike a lot of these other followers we've been talking about. And last, and certainly again, not least, apparently the the statement of the day about these followers is Duke Johnson. Where have you gone, Duke? Buried behind none other than Carlos Hyde, the guy that literally no teams in the NFL want on their roster, comes to the Texans and becomes a force. Now, we're going to talk about Carlos Hyde and his 20, yes, yes, 20 carries momentarily when we get to our waiver wire picks. But what does that mean for Duke Johnson? Only six attempts, 31 yards, looks significantly better on his touches than Carlos Hyde, just like he's often looked better than most running backs and has never been properly used, that is Duke Johnson. Only gets one target in the pass game, though. That's the more concerning part is not even that role he used to have with the, the Uh, Browns is not even viable anymore. That third down back, we thought his instincts in the passing game, his ability to peel out when his quarterback's under duress would be used to perfection. And and Deshaun Watson was under duress all day against that Jacksonville team. And Duke was still nowhere to be found. You got to be terrified. And this was a guy I was making sure to steal in round five of every league steal, clearly. Uh, He's going to cede that many carries to Carlos Hyde when they're up, and he's not going to be that used when he's utilized when he's down. I don't feel great about Duke Johnson. Has to hit your bench. You cannot use this guy until further notice. And if we get another week or two of this type of crap usage, then my good God, he could be cuttable. Let's get to some of your comments here. Dan Heggs, shout out Pete Davison for the RT. Check out Rotobond. Thank you, Dave, Pete. Uh, great site, great guy. Awesome on WEI.com. Ridley's the man, Diego. I totally agree. Man, I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. You were right. Andrews over Jay White was the correct call. My apologies. 
I'm glad I got it right, Saul, but I make the calls to help you. Uh, and it's unfortunate. Don't apologize to me. You didn't make the move. That's your own. Apologize to your own soul and looking in the mirror. I got plenty of wrong this week, my man, so I appreciate you pumping me a little bit. But I told plenty of people to bench Aaron Jones, and I benched him myself. Could cost me my week. I hope I didn't cost anyone else it. Uh, I, I Did you end up winning anyways, Sal? I really hope so uh, because <laughs> that, that would be a tough one. Andrews is a monster. Speaking of the devil, two straight 100-yard weeks. Uh, he's definitely the apple of Lamar Jackson's eye in that passing game. It was not a fluke, all the hype we were getting since spring. Have you revised your thoughts on at all on the Rams running back situation? Now, I think it's a fantastic question, and yes, has to just a little bit because Gurley was finally seen in the red zone, scores a red zone touchdown that makes you feel a little bit better about his prospects moving forward. Now, granted, he only got 16 carries, and he used to be that 25 to 30 touch beast, so his ceiling still is significantly lower than what we once saw, but if he is going to be getting some of those goal line share. It's not just the Malcolm Brown show when they get inside the 20. That's going to be a huge buoy to his value and bring him up to high-end RB2. I won't even call him those elite RB1s like the Dalvin Cooks now, like the Christian McCaffrey's. The you know He's not going to hit that level unless he gets to that 25-plus touch range, and I don't think we're seeing it because they're going to keep managing his workload. But ultimately, Malcolm Brown takes a little bit of a hit, whereas Gurley takes a little bit of a bump. Now, I still would love to own Malcolm Brown in leagues. I'm not saying cut the guy because he's he still was getting plenty of uh, usage within those the 20-yard line. And still, if Gurley ever does go down, you're looking at a true RB1. He looks great when he gets the ball that Malcolm Brown does. But still, Gurley looks as healthy as he's looked. Uh, it's just a matter of how much is going to be used. The fact that he's still in the goal line situations, though, you have to feel much better about Need digs to fire up ASAP. Should have had a two TD week. Got one call back on penalty though, Anthony. So I think it's coming. It's brewing. But ultimately, he's a guy that has to be mentioned on the followers. That entire passing game has to be mentioned on the followers because the volume is just not there. It's the Dalvin Cook show. We told you guys this was going to happen. I have an article, if you don't believe me, three takeaways from Gary Kubiak going to the Vikings, and it was Dalvin Cook's going to be a season changer and that the passing game volume is going to decrease because he was consistently top five in rush attempts when his, Gary Kubiak was the Denver coordinator. Even with Houston, very few seasons with significant passing, significant aerial pie, and that's obviously translated here, and the Vikings continue to roll, although Green Bay stuffed them this week, but they just are refusing to pass the ball, and that obviously the lower volume, it's kind of the opposite of the air raid right now for the old receivers there in Arizona. These young studs in Thielen and Diggs have to be a little bit more skeptical with those two um, with that lower volume. Robert Moreno, drop Latavius Murray for Mostert or Jay Samuels? We're going to get to waiver wires, Robert, so let me know if you're still here. Uh, It's debatable. I probably wouldn't unless we see more about James Conner and him actually missing time. Mostert, like that backfield seems like it might be a three-headed nightmare and this was like the ideal game script, although he still looked pretty good on that reception too. So we'll talk about them in the waiver wire section. So I don't, I want to save that, my man. We'll get there. Uh, and why don't I show you the menu so you know who's coming in that section, the waiver wire check here. We'll get to those guys, but let me get up to Cameron Q. Geckel, my guy. I love to see you tuned into our show. I know you're one of our Instagram uh, love messaging you there. What's going on, brother? Thanks for tuning in. Kyle Toons, Gordon seemed to know he wasn't going to get the ball much the way he was playing. Yeah, he seemed a little disconnected, disinterested. I think it was very clear, Toons, that that was like the plan was we're going to Antonio Brown. Like this is a practice for us, essentially, because this team is so bad. Uh, And that's what they absolutely treated it like. Zach Weldon, who would you rather pick up off waivers, Matt Stafford or Andy Dalton? Thanks. I personally lean Dalton. I think Stafford's definitely the better quarterback real life wise, but Dalton just seems like they're going to be constantly playing from behind. Once AJ Green, I mean, he threw for 400 in the first week, seemed like he, you know, I don't even remember what exactly he got this week, but just think about how often they're going to be playing from behind. And then you get AJ Green back, decent weapons cabinet. Now that John Ross is emerging, you have him, Boyd, and AJ Green. That's a pretty decent weapons cabinet, kind of similar to, you know, Jack Taylor's Coming from the Rams, you got your Brandon Cooks and John Ross. You got your Robert Woods style with Tyler Boyd. And who knows what A.J. Green would actually be in that offense. But that guy is... 
pure alpha when healthy. So I like Dalton's weapons and the fact that they're going to be constantly playing from behind. What's your thoughts on D. Williams RBKC? Asks Anthony. Uh, we're going to get to injuries in a sec. He's got a knee problem going on right now. So ultimately, well, we'll get there. We'll talk about it. But you can't feel great uh, and whatnot. Sal, uh, glad you won, my guy. Uh, that's great. What's the word on Singletary, you ask as well? I uh, said the latest is these day-to-day. We have an injury section coming up, though, so I want to save some of this. Love the advice, although a little rough on Newton, but I understand. Uh, Newton sucks, Alex. What do you want me to say? He was a complete bag of shit. What can you tell me that was good about Cam Newton this week, dude? I don't know if you're a Carolina fan, and I don't mean to shit all over him, but as a Curtis Samuel owner, I'd much rather see Cam Newton out of the lineup than in it right now. He's just injured, he's playing through something, or he's just taking humongous steps back. I don't see any real reason for optimism when he's not running or throwing well right now. Uh, It's ugly, in my opinion. But let's get to our waiver wire, guys, as you see that menu here. Starting with Carlos Hyde, available in uh, only owned in 40% of leagues, so he might not be there for you, but still uh, over half of leagues, he's out there, so I had to mention him. He's bathed in 20 carries this week, racks up 90 yards, and looks powerful again. He's definitely going to be that goal line guy who was in for almost every red zone snap for the uh, the. Texans, and this was against a tough Jaguars dude. They weren't in the red zone often, but if he's going to be that early down kind of grinder, and he's going to be the goal line back and the closer, there's going to be much better days ahead for this offense as a whole. Deshaun Watson still is a, a beast, so I imagine Carlos Hyde's rest of season value is pretty decent, like a, a flex guy if he's getting this type of volume within such an explosive attack, no doubt about it. I think that more weeks than not, he's going to have a great shot at a touchdown. Obviously, if they're playing from behind and trailing and that defense is pretty bad, it might become more of a Duke Johnson slow. So it is a game-flowy backfield, but whereas I thought Duke Johnson was kind of going to you know light it up and be their focal point, and then Carlos Hyde would spell him every now and again, it's looking kind of like the opposite. Like Hyde is that main back, and Duke Johnson's the change of pace here. So Carlos Hyde, check your waivers out there in well over half of leagues and could be a very viable flex for the rest of season, just given how high that volume is and how impressive that offense is. Let's continue rolling here. Debo Samuels, a guy we were hyping because... Even though he sucked last week, he was by far the target, uh, the snap leader. I think it was about 59 of their snaps, whereas Pettis played a grand total of two. And then this week, right up there again, he starts a second straight week. He over Pettis, plays, plays much more and much more effective too. 87 yards and a score, catches five of seven targets. Jimmy Garoppolo looked fantastic in this one. Yeah, it's not that hard to look fantastic against the pathetic Bengals, but still very, very encouraging to see Samuels use so well. He was also getting, you know, manufactured touches too. It wasn't just like deep bomb really pad the stats. He was motioning into the back backfield, getting quite those quick screens and slants from that position. So he seems like that move around, you know, type of versatile weapon that could easily lead this team in receiving yardage. I think it's a sign of things to come. He's only 14% owned uh, entering yesterday, and that has to change to well over 50% by the end of the week. He'd be the first wide receiver, and I know Demarcus Robinson, we've got some guys we're going to talk about in a second, are, are guys I would target, but I really think Debo Samuels, this was not a fluke. I think Jimmy Garoppolo looking that good needs to be taken into heavy consideration and I think when these guys get in in actual battles because the 49ers have really not been contested quite yet this season um, I I really like Debo Samuels' outlook for the rest of the season but some other wide receivers to consider here are Demarcus and McColl and the math there shouldn't be that hard both guys blaze extremely fast 40s and even more importantly doesn't really matter who you are if you're catching passes from Pat Mahomes. I feel like I could trot out there with my torn ACL and my fat ass body running a, a, a 5740. Uh, that might be generous, to be honest. Zero separation skills, zero hands. And I could probably still go 500 yards with Pat Mahomes throwing me the rock. He is that fucking good. It's insane. Now, Demarcus Robinson, the one that blew up by far the most here, uh, hauling in an absurd six of his six targets for 172 yards and two scores. Raise your hand if you saw that one coming. Somebody actually did ask me on our sit-start show on Sunday, which again, if you don't tune in, Sunday, the Fantasy Tailgate at 11 a.m. We had over 200 comments this week. It was unbelievable. 
unbelievable. Get some more comments in here. Let's try to even rival that here, folks. Uh, but it was awesome. And one of them, a guy asked Demarcus Robinson or some other no-name, and I kind of just laughed at him and I said, this is pathetic. So I hope you went Robinson. I, I don't know if you're tuned in right now, uh, but that was insane. 172 yards, two scores, just chunk play after chunk play. It doesn't matter who you are when you have Pat Mahomes throwing you the rock. McCole Hardman, 61 in a score as well. It was really like only Sammy Watkins, the only guy that didn't get it going this week uh, with, with Pat Mahomes. But McCole Hardman could have had an even bigger day. He had a 72-yard bomb called back on a penalty. So we're looking at a potential 134-yard day if that penalty didn't exist in addition to the score. If I had one or the other for the season, I would I'd want McCole Hardman. I just think he's a better talent, more explosive overall guy. But Robinson has to gain your fantasy consideration for however long Tyree kills out because it doesn't matter who it is. Pat Mahomes is going to make a fantasy monster out of you if you're catching passes from him. But maybe the highest upside guy on the waiver wire is none other than James Washington. Now, didn't do anything of note this week. Uh, That's not about something that he blew up and is now on our radar. It's more so about what his future could be based on other things happening around him. Number one, Dante Moncrief fucking sucks. Sorry if you drafted him and I recommended him. He was a guy I thought the athletic build, the freakish measurables for this guy, finally getting a quarterback that can throw the ball. Mm Mm-mm. He just sucks flat out, blows, Uh, gets only one target this week, drops it, of course, had multiple drops on his 10 targets in week one, clearly is getting phased out now in this offense, or he better be getting phased out. Drop him and scramble to try to get James Washington. Beyond Moncrief sucking himself and James Washington likely taking his job, We also have Mason Rudolph coming in at quarterback, and that's huge. These two played ball together at Oklahoma State. We've seen their rapport time and time again in training camp and in preseason. Last year, James Washington was a preseason hero with Mason Rudolph chucking him the rock. This year, another blow-up preseason. Four catches, 84 on a TD week one. Four catches, 78 yards week two. Another 41-yard TD catch in week three. I always rave about this. When a backup quarterback comes in, it's usually a secondary receiver that ends up actually blowing up for fantasy purposes but this time we don't have to play the guessing game we know it's going to be James Washington that benefits from Mason Rudolph at least based on their preseason uh, rapport their college resume together I love James Washington moving forward I think he's a guy that's going to become an immediate wide receiver three Uh, stash him now see how Mason Rudolph looks didn't look too bad we're going to talk about him when we get to Big Ben in our injury section but ultimately a guy that you have to look for Another guy, and I'll get to your questions and comments. I see a few coming in here that has to be picked up right now is Darwin Thompson. Now, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We'll talk about the Chiefs running back injuries too. Uh, But Damian Williams gets banged out on the knee gets knocked out of the game. LaShawn McCoy looks horrendous in his carries and then has to get an MRI on his ankle. All of this, you know, neither one of them might miss time. Maybe they both miss time. Regardless, if and when Darwin Thompson comes into some volume in this backfield, he's going to blow up. This preseason, we couldn't have been higher on this guy until LaShawn McCoy got there. This guy was making play after play, whether in the receiving game, whether in the run game, hurtling defenders, plowing through defenders, just calling in balls over the breadbasket, looking like a genuine Kamara-style playmaker in this juggernaut offense. And now you get some dinged-up guys in front of him that haven't been playing all that well regardless. Darwin Thompson's time is coming, folks, and when it happens, this offense is going to be so explosive. Darwin Thompson could be a monster down the stretch. So whenever the volume comes, I love Darwin Thompson to blow up. Get him now before his price skyrockets. Uh, Make sure you stash him because he's going to be a fantasy force. Such a talented guy, that contact balancers, everything about him. Love it. Last but not least, we got a question about these guys. Who should, should I drop Latavius Murray from Mostert? I mean, maybe. Mostert did look damn good. 13 carries for 83 yards. Hauls in three of his four passes, including a 39-yard touchdown. Looks kind of like that big back role that Tevin Coleman was projected to play. Most importantly, though, Matt Breida is never going to score a touchdown. For whatever reason, it seems like... This team, the 49ers, have a a clause in his contract that he's like not allowed to score touchdowns. I don't know what it is, but Breida will not be touching the end zone because they continually pull him out. Mostert being what I think is option one 
or it could be the 0% owned, and Mostert only 16% owned, uh, Darwin Thompson 18% owned, by the way, just to make sure I'm giving you those percentages, and James Washington only 29% owned, I forgot to give you guys those early on, but Mostert only 16% owned, the guy I'd look to first, the guy that was in first with Matt Breida, but also 0% owned, Jeff Wilson, gets 10 carries, gets a pathetic 34 yards on him, but the two touchdowns, he became that goal line back and looked like a force at the stripe, the zone blocking scheme has made monsters out of nobodies, you know, Mike Anderson and Orlandis Gary, and it seems like these two could become Shanahan's next no-namers that blow up. Now, Breida is definitely the best back there. He still looked fantastic, uh, and I like that he has some guys spelling him to help keep him healthy, uh, but ultimately, because the scheme is so strong and the fact that Breida has that extensive, you know, loves to die on the field before he returns back... Either one of these guys, between Mostert and Wilson, could end up being that starter at some point while Coleman continues to nurse himself back to health. I go Mostert first, but Wilson at 0% owned, so he's out there in your league, could be a touchdown scoring beast in this role as well. Let's get to some of your questions. What's the word on Singletary? I, I think I mentioned day-to-day. Doesn't seem like he's going to be missing time, Sal. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, I'm a little worried too. He looks very, very good every time he touches the ball. But if he can't stay on the field, it's going to be old man Frank Gore's show. Diego, Robert Woods let me down. What do you think of him? Seems like Cup is the main guy. Hey, I own Cooper Cup. Oh, I really hope he's the main guy. It's that tr- tricky situation with this Rams team. When Goff sucks... It's tough to get any you know consistent value out of any of the three. Woods was by far the guy last week, 13 or whatever targets leading the team. But then this week, the defense is focused on him, and it becomes the cup show. That's what makes them so impossible to defend, but makes it makes them very difficult to project for fantasy purposes week to week. I do think Cup might have the highest floor of all of them because he's got that slot role. It seems like when plays break down, that's the one that Jared Goff's looking for. I think Goff will have better days moving forward. Uh, but still, yeah, I, I mean, it's tricky. I still think Woods is fine. He's a great athlete, a fantastic route runner. He led he led the team in targets last year, and I imagine he's going to do it again this year. But with Cooper Cup healthy, the floor is a little bit lower for everyone involved there. It's tough to project it. Uh, I am, but I totally understand, man, says Alex. Yeah, Cam Newton, just garbage. Uh, Cam Geckel asking, I grab Bernard and Montgomery, just throw on my bench in case I need them later. Would it be worth to drop one of them and pick up Carlos Hyde? I think so, Cam. I mean, you got yourself a meaningful role out of uh, Carlos Hyde right now, 20 carries. Now, granted, if you don't think you'll ever use him, then don't because if you just need insurance policies for Mixon or uh, Montgomery for Le'Veon Bell, then stack them in and just keep it as is. But if you might need a running back and like a bye week fill-in or things like that, I think there's a lot more value coming out of Carlos Hyde. Again, 20 carries this week uh, for 90 yards. And when that offense is in a better matchup, I can see the touchdowns following. So volume, scoring, Everything seems to be there for Carlos Hyde outside of his own talent, but sometimes you just don't need talent when you're in that juicy of a situation. George Castro, who are your top three waiver picks this week, boss man? <laughs> Roto Street Journal commenting in Sam Bradford, Rob Baronis, Nick Foles. Anything better than the Rob Baronis one bar? Uh, we'll just look down this list, Castro. I think these are the guys... If I had, you know, let me know if which ones of them are out there. But I'd go first and foremost, Jalen Samuels, if James Conner's going to miss time. I know he's not on this list because we're going to cover him in a second. Uh, but ultimately, I loved what I saw from Carlos Hyde if he's out there. I think James Washington could really blow up with Mason Rudolph at QB. And I thought Debo Samuels lit it up this week, and he's most likely going to be out there. Uh, but also check for Darwin Thompson if those running backs for the Chiefs are hurt and banged up. Love your show, man. Good dude. I, I really appreciate it, Alex. Thank you so much for coming in and tuning in. Uh, it means the world to have you guys coming each and every week. But let's cover the injuries for you folks, and then we're going to get ready for Monday Night Football, where I'll be clenching all night because I'm facing all those guys. If you, if you missed it earlier, Baker, Odell, and Denjoku. If they get 50, I lose, I cry, and I have nightmares for the rest of my life because I benched Aaron Jones. Let's get to the injuries. Speaking of uh, the Steelers, though, we got some questions about them. You have to start at the top with Big Ben. And now I hate the Steelers, and I think they're fucking ass wipes, but I still never want to see 
an injury like this. Season-ending injury, elbow, non-contact for Big Ben. Wanted to avoid surgery at all costs, but unfortunately that can't be the case. He's done for the year. Uh, said he's going to be back next year. He's got two year, more years on his contract. He says he plans to fulfill his contract duties, but obviously a major blow to anybody who owned Big Ben. I mean, I guess there's plenty of other quarterbacks. You're going to be okay. More so, what is this impact on guys like Juju, who had great established chemistry with him? Uh, What's the impact on James Conner, who had great established chemistry with him? Mason Rudolph comes in and actually looks pretty damn good. 12 of 19 for 112 yards and two scores right off the bat. Not bad. Look to Vance McDonald on both those scores. I like that as a Vance McD owner. Probably uh, maybe a little stock up for Vance. They seem to have a nice little rapport, him and Mason, going there. I think James Washington also, as we talked about, has a great established rapport with his old college quarterback and Mason Rudolph. I think Juju definitely takes a little bit of a bump down here. Not overreacting. He's such a stud. He can make any quarterback look good. And he was getting peppered even with Mason Rudolph in there. But you can't feel as good about these guys. You can't feel good about James Conner's touchdown chances when it's coming with Big Ben leading the charge. And I mean, coming with Mason Rudolph and not Big Ben leading the charge. Next on the list, Drew Brees, another major name at quarterback, not quite as serious of an injury, but expected to miss six weeks with a torn thumb ligament. Uh, He couldn't hold on to the ball after he got hit by Aaron Donald, and he's going to need surgery that comes with a six-week recovery period. Uh, And this is the first time Brees has been out in quite some time, uh, and it's going to hurt this offense, no doubt about it. Mike Thomas, Alvin Kamara, you know, Ted Ginn gets zero targets. Teddy Bridgewater is one of the more capable backups in theory, but he doesn't sling it deep as nearly as well or as often as Drew Brees, one of the best deep, accurate throwers in the game. The offense as a whole will definitely see less scoring chances when Teddy Bridgewater uh, leading the charge. And Taysom Hill, maybe we get that garbage human being behind center more often, which is no good for anybody out there. Uh, so yeah, the, the whole all your Saints have to take a hit for the next six, six weeks. Jared Cook, Latavius Murray, we're getting asked about his value comes from from his scoring chances and from him bleeding the clock out while they're leading, I don't think those things are going to be quite that often with Teddy Bridgewater. Granted, now that he has a week to kind of warm up as the starter practice, we could see something better. But 17 to 30 for 165, no touchdowns this week, doesn't leave you that enthused about the prospects of the Saints' offense moving forward. Uh, tough blow for anyone who owned Breeze, who had like negative points when he went out, and moving forward for all the weapons around him. Next is James Conner. Now, this is much more of a positive injury note than anything else right now. He's confident. He said that he's going to suit up for the Steelers matchup against the 49ers this Sunday. Uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN saying it's not a serious injury. Teammates are encouraged. And James Conner doesn't expect to miss any time. There's no structural or ligament damage there. So nothing required in terms of Surgery just needs a little bit of rest, maybe more of like a bruise, a pain management issue. Uh, but still, you got to monitor it. It's James Conner, a Steelers workhorse stud. Um, even without Big Ben there, he's going to be a top 15 running back most weeks. So, yeah, you monitor it. And if he's out, you obviously have to have Jalen Samuels if you own him. And even if you don't block the owner that wants Jalen Samuels, scoop him up and use him. He was in on 21 of 23 snaps after Connor went down, would become the focal point of that backfield. They routinely use workhorses. And Samuels was a beast last year. I averaged 14 carries, 75 yards, and then four catches and 35 yards in his games as a starter last year. And we'll be in line for similar type of volume and scoring upside with Jalen Samuels. But it sounds like James Conner has avoided anything serious, and you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief if you're an owner of him. Someone who is going to miss some time, also with a knee variety injury, but won't be overly brutal on you, is Michael Gallup, who's emerged as an absolute fantasy force this season with Dak Prescott lighting the world on fire. Gallup expected to be out two to four weeks, according to Ian Rappaport, with a meniscus issue. He just needed to have a trim, though. It wasn't uh, any structural damage, so he should be back on the sooner side. When he's out, though, look for Devin Smith as a potential streamer. 0% owned right now. Uh, Got deep for a 74-yard touchdown 
uh, is going to slide in and the coach coming out and saying, yeah, obviously Devin Smith's going to get more playing time. One of the better deep, deep ball trackers while at Ohio State University, just injury ridden throughout his Jets career, had to struggle through shitty quarterback play as well. So never really had that chance to fully showcase his talents and get it done, but goes to the, goes to the Cowboys for his chance at second life, and now he's going to be stepping into the lineup. I could see him being a weekly streamer until Michael Gallup comes back just because of how great Kellen Moore's offense looks and how great Dak Prescott looks within it. That's just been a match made in heaven. The quarterback's coach of last year, Kellen Moore, gets promoted, uses tons of pack Packages, different variety uh, in terms of pre-snap motion, in terms of pace, just thousands of times more creative than Scott Linehan ever was using Dak as a rusher as well. And ultimately, that's made Dak a fantasy monster and all his wide receivers have been running open each and every week. So Gallup, get back soon. You're not cutting this guy. If someone actually, your knee-jerk reaction cuts him, make sure you scoop him back because he's only going to be out four weeks. But in the meantime, if you're desperate, look for Devin Smith coming off the waiver wire as a streamer. Last but not least, a couple pairs here. We got the Chiefs running backs. Damian Williams gets knocked out with an undisclosed knee injury. If anything's come out since uh, I started recording at 7, let me know. Make sure to comment in right here. I'd love to respond, but we don't know anything of the extent of what is Damian Williams' injury. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, though, also you know gets the nod when he goes out and gets just 23 god-awful yards on 14 carries. Looks as pathetic as ever. Uh, gets 11 yards on his uh, three receptions as well. Impressive. And then he goes out with an MRI today based on his injury uh, to his ankle. It's not expected to be anything overly serious for LaShawn McCoy, but still... Both guys knocked out. Does this mean we can finally get the guy we want to all see in there? In Darwin Thompson, the most explosive back, in my opinion, on that roster. A guy that made plays routinely in the preseason. Makes it so you got to go out and get Darwin Thompson, regardless of their status, because both guys already a little dinged up. Makes the chance of re-injury all that much more higher. you got to love Darwin Thompson as a pickup, because if and when he gets a featured role in that offense, it's going to be night-night to your opponents. Uh, last Last but not least, last pair I want to talk about is the Eagles wide receivers. Both uh, Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey go down. Deshaun Jackson with a groin, Alshon Jeffrey with a calf. No rumored timetables quite yet, uh, but ultimately what does this mean for the rest of the passing game? Well, Wentz has to get a bump down uh, with less weaponry around him, but it also means more volume for Zach Ertz, who also had Dallas Goddard go down too. More volume for the auxiliary receivers there, especially in particular, uh, Nelson Aguilar, despite dropping a potential 60-yard touchdown bomb, this guy became a force, eight catches, 11 targets, over 100 yards, and a touchdown with everybody else knocked out. So, you know, Nelson Aguilar, pretty much, you know, universally on the waiver wires here. So look for him. Could be an option if you're desperate at wide receiver. You also have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Uh, has done nothing of note yet, but with these injuries, that might just be the chance to step into a role and carve out some meaningful value because this guy is a talent that can get it done at every layer of the field. And now he's going to have his shot to get it done if Alshon and Deshaun miss time. Again, no word yet exactly how long we expect him to be out, but it could be a lengthy amount of time. Uh, and that's all we have today, folks, on the menu. So I'm going to take any more questions you have. Looks like we got a few here to cover, but get them on in. If there's anybody I covered that you want to hear again, let me know. Uh, we got about 10 to 20 minutes till kickoff, so I'm happy to just sit here and ride it out with you guys. Kyle Tunenberg, only running back I had go over 10 points was Thompson. He was on the bench. Need some ideas. Duke Johnson, Williams, Carson, Brown all did squat. I think yeah, Carson's going to be okay. They're kind of punishing him for you know the fumble early on. I wouldn't freak out about him. I do think Duke has to hit benches until further notice. I think Damian Williams, you know, that all depends on his knee. If he's the guy, if he's healthy, he's continually been the snap leader, touch leader in that backfield, despite not doing much with him this week. You got to feel okay about the touchdown upside he brings each week because of how good. Uh, Mahomes is Malcolm Brown. It's a little sketchy that Gurley did come back in and start getting some of those goal line carries. So I don't know if I love Brown in terms of usability. He needs a Gurley injury before I feel fully confident 
thrusting him in. But I think Thompson, a guy you can definitely use each and every week, uh, led the team in targets in week one, got another eight targets this week. The Redskins are going to be constantly training. Keenum loves to dink and dunk his way down the field. And I think Thompson, a guy you can start every week. I think Carson's still a guy you can start every week. And Damian Williams, if those guys aren't there, though, t- check for Hyde, Tunenberg, check for Darwin Thompson, some of those guys I mentioned in the waiver wire segment, uh, in case Damian Williams is out, could be an option for you. Um, maybe, you know, if you need a, a stream, you look at some of these other injuries. Uh, what if Frank Gore's out there and Devin Singletary misses time? He, he looked good, scored 60 yards and a touchdown, so Gore could be a potential option. Let me know who's out there, and I can try to give you some ideas as to who I would target. Obviously, Samuels, too, if Connor was going to miss any time. Robert Moreno, I had Samuels, but dropped him last week for Malcolm Brown. James Conner, owner, so it figures he gets hurt the very next week. Dude, isn't that just the, it's exactly how it happens, right? Like, there's no doubt in my mind. I dropped, you know, Penny, and then Carson fumbles, and Penny becomes the focal point of that backfield. Like, it's no doubt when you drop the handcuff that you were hanging on to that he's going to end up getting hurt. It's just, I don't know why it's karma, because you shouldn't have to hold the handcuffs all year, but yep. Uh, and I would have done the same thing. I would have dropped Jalen Samuels for Malcolm Brown. Uh, go out and get him again, though, Moreno, if you can. Let me know who else you can cut, because I'd want to keep holding on to Malcolm Brown. I think he has more standalone appeal if uh, Gurley's, even when Gurley's on the field, whereas Samuels has no real value if Connor's out there. Uh, so I do. if I had one or the other, I'd still rather have Malcolm Brown, but I'd probably want both of them at this point. Better start going forward, Dak or Watson. Dave, that's a fantastic question. I, I think in general, I have... I mean, I think the floor is significantly higher with Dak. Like, I mean, that guy, probably a 20-plus point guy every single week. They just look so good. Uh, That offensive line especially is why I think Dak is going to remain a top-five option each and every week and a 20-point option each and every week. The weapons are getting open with Will, and and Kellen Moore's system has just been brilliant from the start of this year. So I think his floor is significantly higher. And so if I had one to just keep the rest of the year, I have more faith in him maintaining that each and every week. That being said, I'd want to own both if I could because Watson in the right matchups, especially in games when they're going to be down and need comeback duty, is going to blow up. Just like we saw with the Saints on Monday Night Football with that 30-plus point day, Watson's ceiling is as high as anybody outside of Pat Mahomes. Uh, So ultimately, Dak, if I had to keep one, would be my guy because of the higher floor. But Watson's ceiling, depending on the weekly matchup, is as high as anybody in the league, especially with that defense sucking and them going to need more and more shootout games. Do you think Le'Veon can scrounge up 13 points so RSJ Heggs can put RSJ Jimmy Mack in a body bag and head to 2-0? Yeah, I mean, absolutely Le'Veon can get 13 points. If there's one guy I'd want on the Jets this week, it'd of course be him. And that's every week, too. I think you got to be nervous about the fact that Simeon's leading the charge. The box is going to be stacked. But I also think that's going to mean plenty of just dink, dink, dinks to Le'Veon Bell. Uh, The one worry I do have with him is if they get down huge early. Early, I could see Gase being like, why risk my guy here? Uh, and then just putting Le'Veon to the bench. So I, do I? if I got to my head, is Le'Veon going to get 13 points? I think so. But it's that's a coin flip, honestly. It really is. Great call with Aaron Jones. Yeah, thanks, Blaze. I already confessed my sin on that one, you fucking asswipe. Uh, I, I, at least I had to suffer with you. Ty Albrecht. Thoughts on Royce Freeman? I have a trade offer to receive Freeman in exchange for trading away Waller. I already have Mark Andrews as tight end one. I, I've, if I and I kind of previewed this earlier. We have you know 15 more stock watch risers than what I went over the six here. And Royce Freeman was absolutely one of those guys. I'm going to be writing about later tonight, Ty. Uh, so if you want to see that, make sure you bookmark RotoStreetJournal.com/stockwatch. Download the app to find out all all our risers followers in in our uh, stock. Watch, but yeah, I mean, Royce Freeman has looked absolutely beastly. He's looked like the better running back so far this year as compared to Philip Lindsay. I have the stats, let me pull them up real quick 54 yards on 11 carries against the Bears, nonetheless, almost five yards a pop against the Bears, and then adds five grabs for 48 yards on seven targets. That receiving involvement is what's really truly encouraging me. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I feel great about the fact that he almost had or did have over 100 total yards the second straight week. He's out. Philip Lindsay, who's 
It just hasn't looked all that great, to be honest. One of the fallers of my week. 36 yards on 13 carries. Gets uh, seven targets, so same as Royce Freeman. Only can turn his into 30 yards and four catches. So, yeah, I mean, the more efficient back, the better back has been Royce so far. Uh, yeah, I- I'm a fan of uh, Royce Freeman, definitely. And if you—I love Darren Waller. I think he's going to be like a Jared Cook this year. But if you need running back help and you already have Mark Andrews, I think that trade makes sense. I could see Royce becoming that 60-40 guy as Philip Lindsay kind of plummets down the board quite a bit. Is Samuels worth it, though? That team sucked with Big Ben. How much will Samuels actually get? I mean, Rudolph did move the ball well. I just always, the, the offensive line is still top six, top seven. Any back that's you know going to be a featured back in that offense tunes is worth it for sure. So yes, I think so. Dave Rojas says, awesome show. Thanks, my man. I appreciate your kind words. I appreciate you coming and tuning in. It's the, the, your guys' type of support. That means the world. Uh, and that's why we do this stuff. Alrighty, folks. We've got about 10 minutes till kickoff. i got to go prepare myself to hopefully not lose tonight, but goddamn, I'm nervous. Let me know what you think of my prospects. Again, I need to avoid 50 points from Baker, from Odell, and from David Njoku. So send, send the wolf a Hail Mary. I hope none of those guys go off tonight and that I can maintain uh, a decent decent team and that Aaron Jones benching does not haunt me. But you can find me at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter and on Snapchat. We are, of course, the Fantasy Fullback Dive if you're tuned into the podcast where we pave your path to 2019 titles, a product of rotostreetjournal.com where we breed and feed fantasy wolves. We're going to get you that title this year. We're going to be back every Monday at 7 p.m. on Facebook Live with these shows. You can tune in tomorrow night for our ranking rundown show. Get your early sit starts in. Watch my thinking process as I go through my rankings. And then, of course, Sunday, the Fantasy Tailgate. We set a record last week. I want to keep setting records every week. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. And have a great night. Best. We used to have it all. But now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd And take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.